0: the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here. Great to be with you. Pro-America Report. Fantastic to be together. I tell you all the time, those three days from Friday night all the way through to Monday night, they make me crazy because there's so many things going on. In the case of what you need to know today, actually, the problem started Friday night after the show. And it got resolved by this afternoon. So I'll fill you in on that. It's pretty extraordinary. It's a story of uh, losers and then winners and heroes and goats. And it's uh, it's pretty cool. So we'll talk about that. we got a lot more to talk about today, of course. The Kamala Harris vice president uh, appointment uh, as a vice president uh, candidate to Joe Biden seems to have hit some rough patch- patches. I've been telling you for weeks. It is by far the surest thing. But... It's now been delayed. Uh the whole thing's been delayed a few weeks. There there's all sorts of mystery now about whether Joe Biden is going to do in person interviews. But here's something you didn't know. You know it's August third. It's August third. Now if you're like me and you don't remember stuff very well, you have to do tricks to remember stuff. So thirty days has some thirty days has November. Oh geez, I just lost it. No, what is that? 30 days has November. Oh, my gosh. That's how I usually 30 days has September,
2: April, June and November. All the rest have 31 except for February.
1: There you go. See, that's why Noah's here. Thank you, Noah. And besides being a great technical director, he has those little songs in his head. Now he has other voices in his head, too. But that's another problem for another day. But here's the thing. 31 days in July. So here's what I'm telling you. Do you know? Did you know you will now? Joe Biden hasn't left his basement since July 28th. Now, I'm not good with math, but that's 28, 29, 30, 31, first, second, third, eight days. Seven depends on how you count. I suppose he left his basement, but I mean, he hasn't left his house. He hasn't been doing any public events. He hasn't been out of his place. Here's the question. You know, what's, what shape is he actually in now? You know, the delay, they, they originally said that Joe Biden was going to interview his final candidates in person. Now that some of the people who are being sort of considered for the uh, for the vice presidential slots are, are, are leaking that it may be on uh, Zoom or whatever, not in person. The question you have to wonder is what actually is going on here? And I heard someone say this. This is a pretty good exercise. P- pretend you could go forward 25 years. And look back at America and, and history and how embarrassing and insane will it be that a man who has clearly got some health issues in, you know, health in his head, mental health issues, you know, uh, uh, was nominated is it's, it's going to look really odd. That's not an original thought to me. That was someone else said that. But we'll, we'll talk in a few minutes with uh, Dr. Brett M. Decker. Of course, Dr. Decker is a New York Times bestselling author. We'll talk with him. And later on, we're going to talk with our old friend. We're going to talk with Tammy Kobzer from Iowa because I want an update on Joni Ernst, the state, the senator up there. That race has supposedly suddenly gotten hot. And uh, Tammy's also a, one of the national field folks for the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, where I work, and she's talking about uh, mail-in ballots. They have some mail-in ballots problem in Iowa, so problems in Iowa. So we'll talk with her about that. And later on, I will tell you about the conventions the conventions and how the contrast of the conventions will be striking. And it won't surprise you when I say one of the candidates is a former television star and therefore has decided if you can't have a big rally, you're going to have a really, you know, kind of uh, made for TV production. And the other one is just going to get the vote done. Well, yeah, Joe Biden, they're they're just going to be. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But here's what you need to know today. This is the important thing. This is the number one thing. You know, if you go to if you go to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for the Daily Wink, it comes in your email. Email comes in at 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time. Bam, right there. It gives you what you need to know. And right now, I'll tell you what you need to know is that on Friday and, you know, all all, all politics is local. uh, (laughs) All pain is personal. And so on Friday night. At about seven o'clock at night, the Montgomery County, Maryland health director released a statement and summarizing it, it went like this. The Montgomery County schools have decided that they can't go in person, the public schools, and therefore I'm the public health director and things are really tough. They should be tough. It's got to be tough. It's very tough. Therefore, I hereby decree all private schools also cannot go in person. And so all across Maryland, you got to know the swamp out here. If you go to the swamp, the number, you know, the number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, about nine out of 10 or 10 out of 12 fastest growing counties are all around D.C. So Montgomery County is a booming county. Lots of private schools. There's Catholic schools. There's country day schools. There's private boarding schools. There's all kinds of schools, all kinds of private schools, all kinds of different things. And the, the the health director decided, because why? Because the teachers' unions that were shutting down the public schools cannot have the competition. I had already been getting emails from folks all across the country who were saying, my kids aren't going to go to public school because the school's not in session. They're not going to do it in person. I'm fine in a private school. I got an email from a friend of mine who works in, the, uh, in, the, in an archdiocese school out in St. Louis. He said, we have a waiting list for the first time in 10 years. People are jumping at the chance to get out of this public school system. The public school unions couldn't have... The competition so stark, so they use the health director to come down on ha- like a hammer and tell the private schools, we don't care if you're a private school of hundred kids, two hundred kids. We don't care if you have enough room to socially distance and if you're going to take all the precautions. We don't care if you've gone to the CDC website and you've looked at the guidelines for opening schools and you see that there are three levels and the second level allows schools to open if they can have distancing and all. The third level is is, is not happening now, but we don't care about any of that. I'm I'm the Maryland public health director. I will tell you what to do. And meanwhile, across the country today, the teachers unions in a bunch of cities were having a day of activism or a day of resistance or something like that. And they were threatening to strike teachers unions because they why? Because they want their demands met. What are their demands? Well, the Los Angeles schools, the, the school uh, union, they want um, to uh, defund the police, Medicare for all. They want blah, 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 blah. All these political demands. So you say to yourself, we have teachers unions acting politically, preparing to do what? Hold our kids hostage. That's what they're doing. Now, look, let me be clear about this. Smart people, adult people, we can be in the same group here. We can be we can be smart and adult and still want to go back to school. We can say things like, we should worry about teachers' health. We should worry about whether children get sick. They don't, really, a lot, and they don't a lot. We should worry about whether children are vectors. They're not. The only study I could find was out of Australia, and it said the students aren't vectors at all, meaning they don't carry it home very It's not very likely that they're spreaders. It's other people that are spreaders. So while we care about all that, we have to go forward to function as human beings. You make a calculation about the risk. You know that some people may get sick, but you decide you're going to go forward anyway. Because why? Because otherwise you wouldn't get out of bed. Otherwise you wouldn't leave your house. Otherwise, you wouldn't drive a car, fly in a plane. If you just couldn't take any risk, you'd just say, I got to go back to bed. And so we, the people, are in charge of those decisions. And let me be clear. In some school districts, there might be a school teacher who's got uh, comorbidities, right? Asthma, diabetes. They should be given ways around that, right? They should not have to teach or they should be the ones that are doing that. There's plenty of roles. but we also And then we should also have signs and we should have parades for the teachers who are fearlessly going back to teach. Just like the people that are healthcare workers, most of them didn't think they would sign up for a pandemic. They just wanted to be a nurse's assistant, a physician's assistant, or a, a nurse, or an anesthetist, or something, right? They wanted to work as an orderly, whatever it was. They didn't know you'd have the pandemic, and you know what they did? They went to work. And some of them even got sick. We should have parades for them. We should give them medals. We should say thank you. But we shouldn't curl up and stay in our bed. And so what happens in Maryland? This is where the story turns amazingly. Families are devastated. Families are upset. Families are saying, how are we going to, what are we going to do? Our private school, this was the place for my kid. And the governor of Maryland, Governor Hogan, who I don't always agree with, he's pretty liberal on some things. He came out this afternoon and he said, I'm overriding the Maryland health director, the county health director who did this. Private schools can make their own decisions. And if they have a problem, we'll come in and, and evaluate it. But you can't blanket shut them down. Wow. Wow. That's what I that's what I'm talking about. And that's actually what I'm talking about with leadership, because the, the Maryland, the, the county, the health director was clearly out of line. He was clearly carrying water for somebody else. And it was outrageous. So what a great thing. What a super thing. What a, what a heroic thing by a local official, a governor, to step in and get it right. He'll probably get absolutely excoriated, but he got it right. He got it right. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with our friend Tammy Kobza out of Iowa. Mail-in ballots. They had some mail-in ballots in the recent primary up there. We'll hear what she had to say. You know, there's two congressional races in New York. They still haven't finished counting the mail-in ballots. The race was three and a half, four weeks ago. Crazy. All right, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin. You're listening to the Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. So much happening so fast and uh, it is incredible to say this out loud. And, you know, uh, it is, I keep telling people, you have to know that it's um, coming hard, coming fast. 91 days till election day tomorrow is election day in some states in my old hometown home state of missouri in kansas there'll be a race over there chris kobach is running for u.s senate in the primary we'll find we'll find out how that turns out i hope he wins he's a super tough guy but he's really smart he's a rhodes scholar yale law school i mean he's a genius guy but also tough but in 91 days 91 days is the election and I remember our friend Catherine Engelbrecht of True the Vote last week. She said, you know, you can't wait till two weeks out. You got to start now. And she said there's 90 day cutoffs, 60 day cutoffs, 30 day cutoff. Well, 91 days. Tomorrow's 90 days. So if you haven't gotten involved, get engaged. We'll talk towards the end of the show. What you need to do, get on, get on, a, help a candidate of any level, but especially Congress. Help a candidate for Congress, U.S. Senate. Get involved. Be a poll watcher. I was on a call today with some folks out of Ohio who are working on, uh, on, on, on organizing faith communities to make sure we get big turnout. But, you know, looming over this is one question that we hear more and more about. I'm so glad the president tweeted about it last week because he forced everybody to talk about it. And that is mail-in voting, mail-in balloting. And, of course, in California, we know Gavin Newsom wants to mail 30 million Ballots to your house. And remember, people, you know, we have to learn how to talk about it so people know we're not against absentee ballots. Absentee ballots, if you're in the military, if you're sick in the hospital having surgery, if you have to travel for work, if there's real reasons, then we have an absentee ballot. You request one, they send it to you, you send it in. There's a check and a balance in there. You see that? You have to request one. It's usually pretty easy online. You can request it. They mail it to you. You send it in. And so you've got a check and a balance, as opposed to Gavin Newsom licking stamps and mailing 30-plus million ballots. And then the reports in places they do this, like New York is still counting ballots from weeks ago, and even more troubling, 3% of the the ballots are missing Not not look at three percent. They didn't get not sent in a lot more. Don't get sent in three percent go missing. They do a test and they say we'll we'll send a thousand ballots out and they go out and they discover that uh, that there are 30 that are missing. They never got to the place. OK, this is the problem. Well, our next guest is Tammy Kobza. Tammy Kobza has been one of the leaders in Iowa on the ground doing politics, uh, conservative politics. She works with the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles and uh, but also she works in her county and she's seen up close. So welcome, Tammy. How are you?
2: I'm doing great, Ed. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, first of all, I'm going to ask you before, don't let me get off with you, that uh, I want to ask you about um, Joni Ernst in that race, because the, the media says it's close and they're making a big deal out. Before we get to that, though, you guys had a primary a few weeks ago and you've watched a lot of elections. You've been listening. What's your what's your sense of mail-in balloting? What does Iowa even have mail-in balloting? What's your what is your fear and what are you hearing? What are people talking about?
2: We do have it now and we've always had it, but we have it on a much larger scale because of the covid Virus and our Secretary uh-huh. of State did mail out. Um, you could to every every active voter a register, you know, a request if they wanted to request a mail in ballot, which really significantly impacted our primary vote. Um, I believe mm. so, anyway. And so, a lot of people who you know have never paid attention to a primary. Had that, they thought, well, I will maybe vote in the primary, and they basically watched commercials. And, um, you know, it it did have an impact, I believe, on the turnout of the vote, because usually the primary voters are those who are super engaged. They know the candidate, they know the issues, and they're the ones that turn out for the vote. And we had an increase in our um, turnout this year so we do have that um and we're they're doing it again they had the option the state legislature came in did an emergency type of legislation where they were going to just you know let the counties decide it but they were not going to do the statewide one well what happened was just the imbalance of the county auditors our county auditors run our elections and um, so then they gave the Secretary of State permission to once again mail it out. So we're going to have the same thing for the nat for the na- the national vote. And President Trump's concerns are valid. Um, but in Iowa, though, um, you know, we're just encouraging people who just want the integrity of the vote upheld get to know in Iowa our county auditors. Um, that's where our election commissioners are. We need to get to know those people, how the system works and come alongside of them. I don't know. I don't think the county auditor is the one who runs the elections throughout the nation, but figure out people need to figure out who that is, because October 5th, we can start voting in Iowa. So
1: that's, it, it, that it, it is the is the are, you know people talk about the the problem of mail in voting. One question I and I think the problem is in the in the mailing out right and not in the well in all of it actually but in the, at least if someone requests an absentee ballot. But here's my question for you, Tammy, and and you know you saw it in the primary, um, the COVID thing, the, the 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 China virus. No matter what the reality of it is, and it's not the bubonic plague, but it's not the flu, right? And but it has it has scared. A lot of seniors. And, you know, when you talk about sort of conservative voters, yeah, you, you get you get smarter when you get older, right. usually. And uh, and right. and so suddenly you say, huh, how are we? So are you getting some of your Republicans who are saying, well, in a normal environment, we would say, hey, let's just all vote on Election Day. But let's push the absentee ballot or whatever, because, you know, you got a little bit of a problem with your turnout.
2: Well, actually, we are we are pushing people to go ahead and get that ballot and vote because we just know that um, the, the progressives are really working overtime to downplay the potential for fraud. And and like you were just talking about what was going on in California, they're pushing that, that it's not a big deal. Well, we all know it is a big deal. And so we are actually asking our elderly and we're trying to work with them in the nursing homes just to make sure, you know, you cast that vote, however you want to vote, but just make sure you you do
1: vote. So, We're talking yeah. with Tammy Cobes. Tammy's one of the leaders uh, uh, in Iowa and also the Philosophical Eagles nationwide. All right, let me ask about jo- Joni Ernst. Uh, Senator Joni Ernst, who is uh, finishing her first term, she served in the military. She's, you know, um, what, late middle-aged? I mean, she's not. She's probably 50-something and, and you know, a yep. pretty mm-hmm. smart lady. She's on one of the conservative yep. values action teams in the Senate. And I don't know if she's had a particularly uh, flashy uh, existence, but she's done, she's done her job, and she's got Chuck Grass. Wesley, as a senior senator, you would think yeah. in Iowa, with the president on the ballot, she'd have a great shot. Is it close? Is it is is her opponent strong? What's what's happening there with uh, Senator Ernst?
2: I I think what's happened is it maybe is a little closer than what we would want to admit, but polls can be as you know, Ed, very very slanted. Um, We do have in Iowa, um, you know, some more purple on the eastern side. And we've got Mm -hmm. her competitor is a woman and is putting together some really snazzy ads (laughs) that are um, really kind of making people wonder about Joni. But um, Joni does. She does a great job. Senator really does support the president's agenda. And that's the message that we're trying to get out, because it's essential that she wins again, just to keep the Senate for all the judicial, you know, the judges that are going to be coming up for a vote the next four years. So um, I know President Trump really, really appreciates Joni, has always had a good relationship with her, and um, I think she'll win. But I think, unfortunately, it's going to be a little closer than we would have liked. And that's Mm. why um, having grassroots that are supporting her across the state have that relationship with their county auditor doing what they can to be poll watchers and, you know, train poll watchers. And then just to follow up, um, just to know that, you know, the county auditors are being watched by we the people is in and of itself a good check on the system. But um, yeah, I think Joni is probably going to be okay. But we're doing everything we can to
1: help her. We we all want right. Her, well, Tammy, we c- her over the- yeah. Well, she's yeah. it's a you know the, that uh, Iowa's always important. Uh, the lot, there's lots of reasons it's important, but it, at this by this time, it's just yeah. important to win. Uh, first in the nation's a different thing. Yeah. All right, yeah. Tammy Kobza, thank yeah. you as always for your perspective and keep us in the uh, in, on your uh, email list and a fast <laughs> call to let us know what's going yeah. on. It's going to be important. A few yeah. months, ninety one days till election day, so uh, a lot to do. Great. Okay. We will take Thanks, a quick break. When we come Ed. back, we'll talk with Dr. Brett. M. Thank you, Tammy. We'll talk with Dr. Brett M. Decker, New York Times best-selling author. We'll get an update on Trump in Michigan. Some new polling in some of the uh, battleground states. We'll see. Uh, Decker is from Michigan, works in Ohio, and uh, is uh, a kind of heartland guy. will walk. He'll walk us through what's going on. I'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. The Pro America Report with Ed Martin on the Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back, Ed Martin, here in the Pro-America Report. So much happening across the nation, but we got to go into the heartland, the heart of America, where our old friend, Dr. Brett M. Decker, the New York Times bestselling author, author of many books, former journalist reform journalist. He was with the uh, Wall Street Journal out in Asia, their Asia Bureau, also the editorial page editor at the Washington Times, and currently is on something called the Board of Advisors, I think that's the right term, of the uh, USA Today's editorial page. So you'll sometimes see him in there uh, writing a few weeks ago. He had a piece on vice presidential picks and said if if Vice President Biden wants to win, he might be smart to pick Michigan Governor Whitmer to have a shot in Michigan. Well, there's polling out, Dr. Decker, and it shows that after... Weeks and months of the mainstream media saying uh, Trump is lost; it's all over. You know, Biden should be picking out drapes uh, for the the Oval Office, uh, or maybe they call them curtains nowadays. I don't know. And uh, and th- it looks like it's all close again, and he's up in some places. What? How does the? What's Ohio doing? Where you are now? Michigan, where you were raised? What, what's your sense on these these states in terms of the Trump effect and twenty twenty?
0: Uh, hey Ed, uh, hey, that's kind of funky new segway music. I like it. It's, it's, it's Thank you. Annoyed. I thought
1: you'd enjoy like, that. I got I got that just yeah. for you. Kind of kind of far eastern for you or for something. So, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I I didn't go to clubbing tonight to be on the show, so that help, that helps me feel better about that. So so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So good. in the Midwest, the polling you know the polling all looks pretty bad right now for the president. Um, In Ohio, it's a bit like if you look at the four states that really swung swung the election his way four years ago. You know, Ohio, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan hadn't gone Republican at the same time since 1984, since Reagan's reelection. So long time they went for Trump, um, and now all four of them, the polling has Biden ahead uh, in three out of the four by double digits. So um, Pennsylvania is the worst; Biden's up by 13. Michigan, Biden's up 11. Um, Wisconsin, he's up by 10. Barely double digits, but still double digits. In Ohio, it's only four. Biden's only up by four, and I think margin of error is five, so it's a toss-up. But still, it's a toss-up with Biden ahead instead of a toss-up with Trump ahead. So, so you know, one, the polling is definitely skewed. We saw how wrong it was last time, right? All these polls right. have Hillary up 10 points two weeks out. So you can't believe right. the polls. But even if they're wrong, um, like, even if they're wrong, say, by 10 points, which would be a lot, he's still not looking good in these states he has to need. Like, if you take the Great Lakes off off the map, you can't – there's no electoral map that adds up for him. So he needs to – and he's not even doing ads in a lot of these places. So, so right now it's not looking good. They need to buckle down. Um, you know, I think one of it is they need to think on. You know, there's a lot of talk about re-looking at his campaign strategy. I think one thing he has to be worried about too is what where where his polling really switched in Michigan, for example, my where I'm originally from. You know, I'm just a I'm just a carpetbagger in Ohio, but right. But what really switched over the summer is um, Whitmer, who is semi-popular in Michigan. Uh, people actually thought she was was trying to, and and we don't understand this because we think they went overboard. They shut down a $20 trillion economy, but a lot of people are taking COVID seriously and they thought she was taking it seriously and president Trump wasn't. So I think one thing the white house needs to understand is look, you can be, you can hold all three positions at once and it's, and, and most Americans don't think it's contradictory. You can think the government is overreacting and using a lot of these restrictions to control people. You can think, look, I have a right to wear a mask or not wear a mask. These two positions, people associated being more conservative. But you can hold those two positions and still think COVID serious. Like we've talked about this a lot, especially with your wife being a doctor, right? So you can be resisting a lot of the government moves, but still worried about it, about it being serious and think your leaders need to take it seriously. And I think, I think that's where Trump's kind of missed the boat. On how people are trying to work through this themselves.
1: Well, and and uh, you know, one of the things is, it doesn't matter what the truth is if it's something people believe. And you know, in this sense, we were just talking a few minutes ago with Tammy Kobza from Iowa. They just had a uh, they just had a primary a few weeks ago in Virginia. We had a primary, and a lot of seniors doesn't matter totally what the truth is i mean i we could have a different show on that they're worried about the china virus they're worried so turnout was lower and and people are saying i don't want to be volunteering in a polling place i don't want you know it's just a different election but uh well let me back up for one second again we're talking with the dr brett m decker uh, new york times best selling author um in twenty twenty sixteen. You had a similar people didn't think that Trump could run the table in these places. And the polling was pretty against him down to the stretch. I mean, uh, on the issues, things like China, immigration, uh, fracking in western uh, Pennsylvania um, uh, is are those issues going to come back for him? And then the wild card is when Biden actually leaves his basement, um, It almost day after day. It's getting more. Incoherent. I mean, you know, what it, are we looking at? Sort of, the Trump is always going to get bad press until he wins.
0: Well, and one if Biden never leaves his basement, right? I mean, you have the New York Times and other basically mouthpieces of the Democratic Party, formerly known as media outlets, saying he shouldn't do debates. Right. Uh, right. One of Clinton's old press secretaries, uh, Clinton, Lockhart, Joe Lockhart. Uh, yeah, Lockhart saying biden shouldn't do debates you know well okay one it makes me feel good because democrats know they have a problem if they have to hide their candidate, right so um but maybe with the media giving them coverage he can he can pull it off i don't know it's hard to tell right um i think on issues i it's really hard to get back to these bread and butter issues where trump is right and people support trump when uh you have tens of millions of people not working and people Wondering, um, do I send my kids to school? Are they going to come back and give COVID to grandma? You know, so right. I, it, when people are worried about I can't pay the rent and is is my kid going to school going to, you know, bring home a sickness, uh, it, it's hard to get back to uh, China or even the wall. Right. Because those things are less of an imminent threat, seemingly, than um Uh, these health and employment situation that we have now, which is a disaster. So uh, the one thing that is positive is the last Rasmussen poll this week had Trump at 50 percent. Well, that's a fantastically solid number, especially given the media onslaught. It's much higher than um, Obama and W were, uh, you know, uh, two to three months out of the election. So, like, fundamentally, people don't blame Trump for what's going on. But they also aren't sure they've seen what they want to see out, see out of them. So to me, in the last sprint to the election, there's opportunities for the president to kind of step up and 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 show his leadership chops a little. And if he can do that, I think you you got a good you got a good chance. And, and I tell you, if people are sick of this. Anything you do or say is racist, and people are allowed to burn down American cities, and the media doesn't even cover. So you you have the potential for the silent majority to come out gangbusters. Um, but I, I think more than any election in our lifetime, there's a big, big question mark over the whole thing. How's the process going to work? How much cheating is going to happen in vote by mail? Uh, there's a, there, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's talking about it. You don't have to cheat in the whole country. You just have to pick out four states and make sure he wins them. And you yeah. got it, right?
1: Yeah. So, and you don't have you don't have to get you don't have to you, you don't have to turn you don't have to turn a half a million votes you have to turn 20,000 20, in pennsylvania all right dr decker I'm going to lose you because i got to go to a break in a minute but I want to ask you one more question the president is trying to figure out how to do his convention obviously there's not going to be an in person five thousand ten thousand uh, 10000 person rally the Democrats have already they're not even bothering what should what do you think he should be doing i mean there's there's i'm going to talk after the break about this there's there's some iconic uh places he could to go to give speeches and things like that. I, You know, is it is it sort of tailor-made for uh, the uh, reality TV president to have to do a reality TV uh, convention? Can he pull it off?
0: Uh, you know, Major League Baseball, Fox Sports, is putting virtual people in the stands, and they're just <laughs> digitally remastering it, so it looks like Yankee Stadium right. is full. So I think he should go to Lincoln Monument, do an I Have a Dream speech, and the mall just has three million people on it just digitally remaster it and it's kind of sticking people in the face they're complaining about what the numbers <laughs> were on his inaugural address well we have five
1: yeah, there digitally you go we
0: created people <laughs> win-win right?
1: yeah I like that. that. I'm going to suggest that. All right, good. Take hey, Dr. Red M. Decker, uh, thanks very much. And uh, we'll look forward to having you on again uh, from the heartland. He's a professor, if I hadn't said, also at Defiance College in Ohio, as well as New York Times bestselling author. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back. We're going to talk about the Republican convention. I'm going to tell you the best idea. It would be unbelievable, iconic, able to be done, could be done, no problem, right after the break. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy
0: of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
1: For months now, law-abiding Americans submitted to the demands of so-called experts to maintain a six-foot distance from friends and family. This meant familiar gathering places like restaurants, hotels, and even sports arenas had to close and remain closed indefinitely, causing economic hardship for millions. When a few hundred law-abiding citizens, some lawfully carrying their personal weapons, marched in front of the Michigan state capitol to protest the nation's most extreme stay-at-home order, liberals feigned outrage. The so-called mask police demanded that all Americans don intrusive face coverings in public. The U.S. House of Representatives even switched to proxy voting despite its unconstitutionality. Leftists marching under the banner of never let a good crisis go to waste tried to use a perceived national crisis to advance their political agenda. With law-abiding citizens stuck at home under lockdown orders from Democratic governors, the lawless seized the streets. Mobs of thousands of militants armed with crowbars, fire starters and other dangerous weapons rampaged through the darkened streets. They roamed lawlessly in search of soft targets to loot, burn, and pillage in the name of racial equality. This kind of violent chaos can happen only in the absence of an armed citizenry. Merchants ought to be able to defend their shops with their own lawful firearms. But liberal gun control policies turned our streets into a might-makes-right Wild West showdown. When a black professional basketball player saw his truck being vandalized by a protester in his residential neighborhood, the six foot, six inch, two hundred and twenty five pound athlete rushed out and beat back the vandal. But we're not all as strong as giants who play in the NBA, and many of us rely on local police, sheriffs, and mayors to protect our private property against lawlessness. The state governor, state police, and national guard should be called in as needed to restore order. In the end, it all comes down to this one question. When your local politician looks out the window and notices violent looters in the street, do they see criminals or do they see a voting block to pander to? That's the standard to judge candidates by in November's election.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. As President Trump fulfills his campaign promises, his accomplishments on trade, immigration, the economy, and protecting the unborn should be celebrated, not ignored or diminished. To track these victories, go to phyllisschlafly.com and find out what's next for the Trump presidency at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back. Ed Martin here. You know, I'm trying to watch the news as I'm talking, not watch the news. I'm trying to watch the uh, the uh, Twitter feed and the Internet as the news is coming in. You know, the president is is making more noise. He told us today about mail in balloting. He said, I'll just do an executive order because of the pandemic saying we have to stop it. And the left is going crazy. But over in New York. Uh, Judges now said they're going to have to recount all the votes for two congressional races because even the ones that are disputed should be counted. And they're mostly mail in the problems with mail in. I mean, you want chaos Do mail in balloting. Again, the difference between mail in balloting and absentee balloting. It's important to know it. An absentee ballot. You're in the military overseas. You're in the military deploying. You're in the hospital. You request an absentee. It's mailed to you. You fill it out. You send it in. Mail-in ballot is Governor Newsom and his cronies just mail them to everybody. They pull the addresses of anybody anywhere that was registered, send them out, and you have no check and balance on who filled it out when they sent it back. So disastrous stuff. All right. I told you I'd get to this, though. You know, in a few weeks, just a few weeks— The Democrats will have their convention. And it was supposed to be this big deal, right? I mean, this is the big titanic battle, Trump versus the Democrats. And the Democrats were going to go first. In about two weeks, they were going to have their convention. Uh, Milwaukee, they're up in Wisconsin because they want to put Wisconsin, you know, in the Democrat column. Hillary famously lost it, didn't campaign there and lost it narrowly. So they're up there in Milwaukee, well, the Democrats have announced they're not having one at all. They're going to have 300 people in a room. They're going to vote in Biden and they're going to move on. They're going to try not to even publish a platform, I predict, because they don't want you to see that they had to give in to the Sanders and the left. But forget about that. I don't, I don't really care much. A week after that, the president has to have his convention. He got pushed out of Charlotte. They won't let him do much. They got, went down to Jacksonville, Florida. They're not letting him do much. So the question is, what do you do? And the New York Times is reporting today that they're looking at the president's looking at having a series of speeches, sort of cinematic speeches over the nights before he accepts his uh, speech and, and do that one in, icon, in an iconic place. So I sent a text into one of my friends that's uh, in the White House and I said, I got it. The president should go over to Mount Vernon, George Washington's home so iconic it's a beautiful building it's got a beautiful view the, the beauty of these kinds of places that are close to the swamp is the secret service and the air force and everybody knows how to control that you know it's such a big deal when they go into places they were already ref, uh, uh, um, floating the idea of having mrs trump do a speech here or there but if she's going to go up to upstate new york some sort of historic place it's such a big deal to go because of security so the president could go to mount vernon and he could echo all the George Washington, the sort of iconic Washington images and the iconic Washington message uh, uh, Washington was America first before Trump was Washington was uh no foreign wars, no entanglements before Trump was, and he could echo all that stuff plus you you can't help but associate you know the person whose house you're at doing this kind of speech plus. The left would go crazy and say, George Washington's a bad guy. We got to get rid of George. Remember, they want they to cancel him, too. And that, 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 that whole thing is a, such a failure. So I think it's a perfect way to talk. But whatever the president's going to do, I, I, here's my bet. You can take this to the bank. The president spent 14 years, not 10 minutes, not a year, 14 years doing high-level, prime-time television and i told the story 10 times i've told 100 times when i did my stint at cnn i went in to see jeff zucker the only time i met jeff zucker and i asked him about trump at the apprentice where zucker was in charge of the apprentice and he said trump was driven to be number one and once he was number one he wanted to stay number one he cared about the lights the camera angles the table the chairs the people the were everything so if anybody can come in and figure out how to have a made-for-TV Republican convention, it's probably this president. I mean, he's, he's kind of busy running the country, too, and you know, helping save the world. But you would think that would be, and I, I have a lot of confidence that's what's going to happen. So look for some iconic uh, speeches and things done, and especially the president loves to uh, leak things to reporters at the New York Times as a way to float them and see if people uh, think it's a good idea or not a good idea and all that kind of stuff. So that's what he's doing there. We'll see what happens. And uh, all right, we're going to gonna we're gonna take another break. And, I mean, excuse me, I'm going to take a break. We're going to be back tomorrow night. And I was looking earlier today. We're going to have some more guests tomorrow night. David Horowitz, the famous David Horowitz from up near L.A. His newest book is called Blitz. And we talked to him about it once. we got to talk to him again. New York Times took a shot at him and uh, Stephen Miller this weekend. So uh, he's famous, and he'll be great. i got to talk to him about his memoir from a few years ago that I just read last night. So we'll talk to David Horowitz and some more. All tomorrow night. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our great technical director, Joanna, for helping book the show, and you all for listening. Go to ProAmericaReport.com.